The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. I'd like to go back to our consideration of the phrase, following your heart. Trying to consider the biblical presentation of following your heart, that is a very common piece of advice that is given to people in all walks of life. And I think that's a statement that needs qualification. Don't just follow your heart, your heart blindly because the natural heart, as has been prayed in our prayer this evening, the heart is deceitful above all things. There's a lot of deceitful things in this world, isn't there? There's a lot of things that are deceitful. The natural heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And who can know it? You know, you can't fully trust your heart. That's what it says in Proverbs 28 and 26. He that trusteth his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. So if you trust your own heart blindly, you're going to get into trouble. All right. But, but I don't believe we can make the statement to don't follow your heart. No, no. The Lord guides his children in his spirit, in our new heart. Okay. So we have to be very careful to not blindly follow our heart and not follow our heart in a direction that would lead toward uh, wickedness or any type of carnal action, but we, we filter the desires of our heart through the Word of God, okay? Amen. So in Proverbs 4 and in verse 23, these are some of the verses I'd like for you to keep in mind as we try to go through this and consider this. We considered last time the... The abject wickedness of man's heart. Again, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. It's out of the heart that, Matthew 15, out of the heart proceed murder and adultery and fornication and theft. All these wicked actions that come out in an external way, they originate in the heart. So therefore, uh, how are those external actions going to be going to be changed. You know, uh, Galatians chapter 5, we focus a lot on the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit comes forth from a tree. Good tr a good fruit comes forth from a good tree. The fruit of the Spirit comes from the Spirit. But right before that, I think sometimes maybe we don't uh, equate those works of the flesh that are listed right before that. Where do those works of the flesh come from? Right. They come from a wicked natural heart, right? If the Spirit of God is inside of you in your heart, then what is the fruit that can be manifest externally? Well, love, joy. Those are things that, that will come out of the heart. Well, if your heart does not have the Spirit, what comes out? All those works of the flesh, right? So the heart is uh, deceitful and, and wicked in, in our own nature. So what does God do in, in regeneration? He gives us a new heart. He takes away that stony heart. He gives us a new heart, and he makes us a new creature. But what he doesn't do in the middle of that, though, is he doesn't totally remove that old heart and that old nature 
away from us to where now we have to discern the desires of our heart. Because there are still going to be some enticements from the, the world and from Satan and from other influences from our flesh. There's going to be some enticements that are not in accordance with God's word. And we're going to be prone to want to follow that pathway. So, so therefore, we have to discern, is this my heart leading me in this way? Or is this the Lord guiding my heart? Okay? So in Proverbs 4 and verse 23, keep thy heart. You need to protect it. Okay? Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 1. The preparations of the heart in man, and that word preparations literally means the plans. The preparations, the plans of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All right. Now, let's look at the second half of that first. It's very obvious that the Lord uh, commands us for our speech to be always with grace and seasoned with salt. We shouldn't use bad, filthy language. But just because that's the Lord's will doesn't mean that that will is always carried out perfectly here in this world, is it? <laughs> you know, it says in the New Testament, it's God's will for the church that we should abstain from fornication. We shouldn't commit that sexual sin. But we know that that happens. Amen. It happens in the church. It happens among God's people. It's God's will for this not to happen, but it still happens. So the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Now, does that mean everything we say comes straight from the Lord? <laughs> Y'all know that ain't true, right? <laughs> you know that, that every, uh, everything that comes from our tongue, which, by the way, that, that's a, a great example, too. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue uh, in a different place in Proverbs. But then we have this picture of the tongue over in James chapter 3, that the tongue is a world of iniquity and a flaming fire, and who can tame it? So that, that says nothing but, but bad about the tongue, right. right? This says it's a very dangerous thing. But then at the same time, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can encourage and bless and, and give, give life to a dead situation if you use your tongue wisely and appropriately. But it's very evident that everything that comes out of our mouth is not from the Lord. It's not according to the will of God. So in the same way, God guides the preparation of our heart, but also not every action we take is of the Lord, Amen. right? Just like not how everything that, not everything that comes out of our mouth is of the Lord, but he still is guiding our speech to very godly speech, right? Not every action we take is exactly in accordance with God's will, but praise the Lord, he always gives beauty for ashes. He guides us and blesses us even when we don't deserve it. So, but he guides the plans of man's heart according to his will. Now, I think we always need to read, in conjunction with verse 1 here, the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Uh, the companion verse of that is in verse 9. Okay? A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Okay? A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directs his steps. We come up with our own plans. We come up with our own scheme. We think this is the best pathway to get here. But many times, just because it's 
seems to be the most convenient or seems to be the easiest way, that's not according to God's will. You know, it says of the nation of Israel that he could have, there, there was a shortcut, if you will. He could have had them directly into the land of Canaan in 11 days, okay? He could have took them the shortcut. <laughs> but uh, the irony is he didn't take them the shortcut because he felt like that they would be discouraged in the way. He took them the long route to teach them some very important lessons in that law. They needed to go, guess what? Um, if they took the shortcut, they wouldn't have went to Mount Sinai, right? To get all the law, to get all the stuff that they needed. There were some lessons that they needed to learn in this particular pathway that the Lord was going to take them. He originally said, I'm not going to uh, take them the shortcut because I feel like they're going to get discouraged in the way. He get, takes them a longer path that would, would, if they handled it properly, would have been for their best interest. And what did they end up doing? Going the long way. Right. <laughs> they got discouraged, which was what he was trying to prevent anyway. Right. <laughs> so he said, look, you could have took the shortcut. I was trying to help you out. I was, I was, I was trying to guide you in the best possible path. And that's something we really have to keep in mind is there are varying degrees of God's will that we can experience in God's life that we can choose for lack of a better term, uh, good, better, best, and then bad. I mean, th there are varying degrees to which God is going to guide you in the best possible way, always. But you know what? Sometimes we not, may not be as in tune with God's will, but we're going to pick that best option. Right. But God is still gracious to bless us with everywhere in between as well. And I think the children of Israel kind of give that example. It was God's will for them to go to Sinai and to get all this law. And to be encouraged to where if they would have handled that properly, those 10 spies wouldn't have said, well, we can't take these guys. We're, we're going to get killed. These guys are huge. If they would have learned the proper lessons from the path that God intended to take them, they should. all those 12 spies should have came back and said, it is our land for the taking. We can go in there and we're going to take it. And you know what? That whole generation, I don't know if you knew this, they didn't have to die in the, in the wilderness. It, God didn't predestinate for the world began that they were going to die in the wilderness. They had a choice. Ten spies chose to rebel against God, and they got afraid, by the way. They, we make bad decisions when we get afraid. We make bad life decisions when we get afraid. They, get, they got afraid. They, they polluted all of the people, and the whole generation died in the wilderness because... They chose. God opened a door. You know, we talked about open doors a good bit. God saw fit to open a door. But that doesn't mean that we're always going to walk through that door in the manner that we ought to. Boy, there was a wide open door to the land of Canaan, wouldn't it? Yeah. Boy, it was wide open. And two folks said, look at this huge wide door. But ten folks said, oh man, look at all the stuff between us and that door. Look at these giants. Look at all these, these problems, you know. What I'm saying is that God took the nation of Israel on a path that should have been to encourage them and strengthen them. And when they showed up to the Jordan River, all 12 of those spies should have came in and said, we can, we're going to take this land. We're going to whoop all these Canaanites. And, they, and that they, they could have enjoyed the land of promise. Instead, what happens when he's taking them? Again, he's guiding them. 
in a path, not the shortcut that's in their best interest, what happens when they have a void of leadership for just a 40-day period? Moses. We'll talk about how important leadership is in the church. There's a reason that Jesus was concerned about these sheep. They were as sheep having no shepherd. What happened when you had a void of leadership with the nation of Israel for only 40 days? They didn't know what happened to Moses. They made a graven image of that golden calf and just all kinds of debauchery that was going, going down when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai, okay? So God did not take them the short path. He, he took them a longer pathway that should have been for their best interest, but instead they sinned, they rebelled along the way, and what was the end destination for everyone 20 years old enough except for two people? They all died in the wilderness. You think that was God's will? No, it wasn't. No, it's what they rejected. They rejected the guidance and direction of the Lord. And that's sobering, okay? That's sobering that God is guiding them in a certain pathway. They did not discern that. They rebelled against that. And what happened? They were destroyed in the wilderness. But a man's heart, he devises his own way. You know, sometimes we think, like the Israelites... Sometimes we think the short route may be the best route. Rarely, rarely (laughs) is the easy way the best way. Rarely. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. To me, the second half of the verse overrules the first part. You know, we pick our own path, don't we? We say, this is the best action. This is the best path. This is the best person. This is the best job. This is the best house. This is the best insert, whatever. I believe this is the right pathway. Man devises this way, but the Lord directs his steps. You know, I feel like, for me, much of my important decisions in life have been guided not by open doors, but by closed doors. And God deals with different people differently. And he knows me really well. So therefore, he said, David, we're going to have to make it easy on you. (laughs) All right. Do you know that I've really only been offered two jobs? (laughs) I've interviewed for a bunch of jobs. But I've only been offered two jobs in my professional career. Just so happened, those were the two jobs that I believe have been the exact Right? Jobs for me. (laughs) God didn't give me five options. said, all right, David, (laughs) you pray about it. You determine the best one. He's like, David's going to mess it up. (laughs) If I give him five shots, that's four shots for him to mess it up. I think the simplest thing for me to do is, you know, go for the interview. You know, I'm just, I'm not going to let them call me, call him back, you know, because, because David's not as discerning as he should be. So therefore, I'm just going to close that door and in the right time and in the right way, the right door was opened. And that was certainly true in relationships too. Every door was closed. (laughs) And then God opened a door in Texas. Praise God. God makes things simple for me (laughs) in that regard. He doesn't make things simple in in everything. But in in those major life decisions, he made them very simple for me. But God may deal differently with you though. 
he may have five different options in front of you. You know, I've heard Brother Ben Winston, who, uh, again, pastorate, by the way. Uh, I already felt led to, to be the pastor at Macedonia. I already felt that in my heart. And then they called me, and I prayed about it, and I accepted that. But I've heard <laughs> Brother Ben Winslet say that when he was ordained, five churches called him to pastor. Well, I'm glad the Lord made things simple on me. I only had one thing to focus on, one church to pray over, and the Lord gave me clarity on that one situation. Uh, I couldn't imagine sitting there and praying over five churches. Lord, you know, uh, which church would you have me to serve? I'm glad God makes things in those regards, pretty simple on me, because he knows me. <laughs> but you know what? You may be more spiritually mature. He may give you options, <laughs> okay? A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And God's always going to guide you and direct you to the best possible option. But that doesn't mean that that's always where you're going to end up, okay? I'll tell you, I think to a large degree... All of us have probably squandered the best version of our life mm -hmm. to a degree. Right. I hope we haven't squandered 100% of it. I mean, I hope you're living 70, 80% of what God has, has, has wanted for you. You know, I hope you're not living 15, 20%. I mean, you're not going to be very happy if you are. But I, I think that there are options that have been put in front of us. That if I was more discerning, if I was more zealous, if I was more in tune with God's will, I could have had so much more blessings than I'm currently enjoying. Okay, But it, it's such a comfort to me that, yes, man's heart, he devises his way, but the Lord, he directs, his, he guides. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for that 2020 hindsight of where I've seen, even when I wasn't really in tune with God's will, praying in the manner that I wasn't in, living in rebellion to God or anything, but I wasn't praying in the manner that I ought to, that he was still guiding me even when I didn't realize it. I mean, I came to Mississippi State uh, mainly for bad uh, metrics. I mean, I, I wasn't making a sinful decision, but I was not praying every night, Lord, direct me according to your will. No, I made it based on very practical to a large degree, worldly metrics. And little did I know, I believe he was paving the way and tilling the ground for me to come back here and my ministry here and to serve at Macedonia. But you know what? I was not in a very spiritual mindset when he was guiding me and laying the foundation for that. He was guiding me and I didn't even know it until about five or six years later. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's what God was doing all along, and I didn't even know it in the moment. So it's good. It's good, and we need to. We need to be in tune with God's Word. We need to discern His will. But we also need to just pray for mercy and grace for when we're not where we ought to be, when we make poor decisions. And many times, you'll come to find out that God is guiding you even when you don't realize it. Okay, And that's comforting. That's comforting to be reminded of that God is always keeping us in the palm of his hand, Amen. even if we're not following him as diligently and faithfully as we should in that moment. You know, I've been asked quite a few different times, what does a burden feel like? <clears throat> you know, how do you know what to preach on on Sunday? How do you know um, what church to pastor? How do you know what 
what job to take? What, what does a burden feel like? You know, because you hear preachers talk like that. Oh, well, God just laid it on my heart. I had a burden. For, what does that mean? I had a burden on this. Well, uh, I, I always hate when people used to give me these kind of answers, but um, to a large degree, it's, it's true. Um, sometimes you just, you don't know till you know. Right. Okay. And I, and I hated when people used to tell me that because mm-hmm. it's like the ultimate cop out. <laughs> you know, I'm not asking you for this, this like, yeah, this uh, figurative answer. Oh, well, when you know, you know, I want a one, two, three, four of how do you know? But what I mean by that, though, is not that you can't know. It's just that you can't really articulate it that well. Uh, the best way that I would describe a burden is that I have a strong impression and thought on my mind that is not just a one fleeting thought. It is a repetitive uh, reoccurring thought, and then it, it, I think the real identifying factor is not you just have this, this like passing thought, it's that it is sustained over a long period of time, but it grows stronger as time goes on. Right. Okay? And oftentimes, when I've been in those circumstances, when I was trying to discern God's will, you feel you have that thought, you have that burden. And you pray, you need to be praying. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And when you've prayed that way, many times, God will bring that thought to your mind very, very strongly in the midst of prayer or in the aftermath of prayer, in the reading of God's word. Sometimes, it's amazing how God works sometimes in his spirit. I can be sitting uh, in a worship service and the preacher is preaching on something that has nothing to do with what I'm thinking about or what I'm trying to decide on. But just being in that location where the Spirit of God is being manifest brings that to my mind and it, and it and it lays it on my heart. Again, he's not talking about you need to make that he's not talking about this topic, but just being in the presence where the Spirit of God is being manifested in a special way in worship, God brings it to your mind and lays it heavy on your heart, and you will find in times of prayer, in times of worship, in times of meditation, when you're praying, Lord, what is your will? That's the thing that will come to your mind, and it will remain heavy there, and it gets heavier and heavier and heavier as time goes on, okay? It's not a fleeting thought. And because it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. That's why we would call it a burden to a degree. But thankfully, it's not a not too bad of a burden because, you know, Christ is bearing that yoke with us, right? Cast your yoke upon me and he will bear that burden with us. But that's the best way that I can describe a burden. It's, it's, it is a strong thought or impression in your mind that gets stronger over time and is clarified and intensified in prayer and in worship and when you're seeking God's will. Okay? But it takes a good deal of spiritual maturity to be able to discern that. Okay? And that's something that I've learned is that there are things from years ago that I thought the Lord was laying heavy on my mind and then I tried to follow that course of action. Turned out it was a closed door. 
And then I realize it makes you very humble uh, when you go through those kind of circumstances and you're like, oh, wait a minute. I felt really strongly about that. Turned out I was wrong. I think Acts chapter 16 is a really good example of that where no doubt Paul wasn't just making sinful decisions. He wasn't just saying, you know what? Um, I want to go to Asia. I think they really have some nice clothes over there that I was interested in. You know, I'm not, he's not making a carnal decision to go to Asia. He was praying about it, wouldn't he? No doubt he was praying. And he thought that the Lord was directing him to Asia. But the Lord, the Spirit, it says here, this is Acts chapter 16 and verse 6. When they had gone throughout Phyresia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Then he goes on to say, okay, so he, <laughs> he, goes, to, he goes to Asia, finds out that's a closed door. He's like, okay, all right, I was wrong about that one. All right, let me take a couple days. Let me pray about it. And obviously I was not in tune with the Lord in the manner that I ought to. And I always kind of wonder when it says here, uh, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. It says in verse 7, the Spirit suffered them not. I always kind of wonder, and the Scripture purposely leaves it vague, but how did the Lord do that? You know, sometimes it says, uh, it may be to the, to the Romans, that Paul said, um, I wanted to go to you, but Satan hindered me. So there was something, I had a desire, you know, I was supposed to go, <laughs> I was supposed to have a ticket on this boat, but then all of a sudden this boat burned up. <laughs> I mean, uh, Satan called, called somebody to commit arson. I don't know if that's what happened, but sometimes it's very manifest like that. It's very powerful, right? Where Satan hindered me. But what does it mean that they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost? You know, I don't necessarily think they had traveling problems. Right. Okay? If you've ever been on the other side, you know, sometimes when you're, uh, it says, um, in James chapter 3, that the wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable. When you're following God's will, you're always going to have that inner peace that this is what the Lord would have me to do. But the other end of that is if you're not, you're not going to have any peace. Think about Jonah, right? He didn't have any peace down in the well's belly, did he? <laughs> when he said, when he cried out of the belly of hell... Lord, please save me. He didn't have any peace. Why? Because he was not walking in God's will, was he? But when you're walking in God's will, you're going to have this, even if everything else seems to be crumbling around you. <laughs> you know, because sometimes we make decisions that have a lot of ripple effects. They're not bad. It's just the way things are. And you can be uh, dealing with very adverse circumstances, but even though everything seems to be going bad externally, you have this internal peace. Okay. So, uh, how did the Holy Ghost forbid him? Well, I think it's very possible that the Spirit of God just struck him in his heart and gave him such clarity that said, this is wrong. And I don't, I don't think it was external circumstances. I think it was in his heart. Okay? So then, <laughs> I want to go to Asia. Then he realized, oh, wait a minute, that's not the Lord's will. Well, let's pray about this. All right, now I think we can, they made their way to Mycenae. I think we need to go, to go into Bithynia. But then, option number two, the Spirit suffered them not. <laughs> so that's when you get a little bit nervous, don't you, <laughs> right? You're like, oh, wait a minute. I thought the Lord. I don't think he was making carnal decisions. I thought the Lord was guiding me in this way. And then you get there and it's a closed door. The Spirit for forbids you from doing it. And then you're like, okay, well, let's go to door number two. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, that door's closed too. <laughs> but, but... 
What's great about closed doors, it's not like you walk, <laughs> uh, it's not like you're in this hallway and you walk down this really long 100 foot hallway, the door's closed, you gotta walk right back out the same way and start back over. <laughs> That's not how the Lord guides you, okay? There's a door over here, it's closed. There's a door over here, it's closed. That's guiding you toward the right door, okay? It's not an all or nothing proposition. Many times God is guiding you by the closed doors. So now he prays. He says a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And now the Lord does open the door. He does give him clarity. So now, no doubt, Paul's a little nervous, right? I'm over two. I thought that this was what the Lord was guiding me to do. And now I'm, I'm not going to be hasty at all, right? I'm really going to take my time. And then he says, there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Okay? You know, he told the apostles in Acts chapter 1, you need to wait until the manifestation of the Holy Ghost and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they didn't know what that meant mm -hmm. for 10 days. Okay? They didn't have any idea what that meant. But then when it happened... They knew it was happening, right? <laughs> okay, uh, with the, 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 we don't know what the outpouring is, baptism of the Holy Ghost is. But then all of a sudden, especially Peter, boy, he got it because he starts quoting all these Old Testament, uh, the, all these Old Testament scriptures that your, your daughters are going to prophesy and all this. He knew what was happening in the moment when the Spirit of God manifested to him that the time is now. Right. Okay? So he did not have a peace about this. The Holy Spirit shut him down in his heart, most likely twice. So then you're a little bit nervous. Oh, man. You know, what's the right thing to do? But when God made it clear, that's why, <laughs> not a better way to put it, unfortunately, when you know, you know. That's yes, right. Okay? Because he didn't, when he saw this vision, he didn't say, okay, okay. I think that's it. Let me take a week to pray about it. No, he said, we're going to Macedonia. Because the Lord gave him clarity. And, and another thing, I think it was probably such a polar opposite of that conviction and burden of the Holy Ghost that suffered him not to do it, that then he felt the exact opposite of that, of the peace and the liberty in his heart. And he said, okay, this is it. This is it. Right. Let's go. Let's get in the boat. Let's go to Macedonia tonight. Right? Because God gave him clarity in the Holy Spirit to know this is the path I'm guiding you on. Okay? Um, we have a lot more to consider on this. A few verses for you to just kind of be um, thinking on. Um, I believe uh, this is a beautiful picture of how the Lord guides us. In Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 21, and this lines up very closely with 1 Kings chapter 19, where Elijah is in a very low condition, depressed, suicidal, and the Lord didn't appear to him in the wind. He didn't appear to him in the fire. He spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice in his heart. A still, small voice. And this is why following the Lord's will is difficult and why it's hard to explain is because Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 21, thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. 
when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. This is the way walking. But it's a voice behind you, right? <laughs> you still have to walk by faith and not by sight. You, you don't uh, walk based on signs. You see, right. God gave Elijah some signs. Amen. But guess what? The Lord wasn't in the signs. The Lord was in a still, small voice speaking to his heart. And that's how the Lord guides. The Lord guides us with a still, small voice. You know, I've been reading a lot in Proverbs. We're in our daily Bible reading with that in Macedonia, but also in our Bible studies, uh, our twice-a-month Bible studies, we've been going through the book of Proverbs. And essentially what God does in Scripture is He gives you a framework. Okay, He gives you a framework to be able to make decisions. But he doesn't list off in this exact scenario with these facts and circumstances. This is exactly what you do in every situation. Right. He gives you a framework. And then you have to have wisdom to apply that framework to the individual situation. Okay. Now one good thing about wisdom. As it says in James chapter 1. If any, if any of you don't feel like you have it. <coughs> if you lack wisdom. Ask of God and he'll give it to you. Right. <laughs> and we all need to be praying to God for wisdom. But think about this. It is explicit, okay? It is explicit that you be not unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Right. Okay? That is just explicit. So it is inappropriate for a child of God to marry an atheist. Okay? Right. However, however, you want to talk about guiding in your best path. Just because somebody checks the box of saying they believe in the Lord does not mean that that is the best path. For you to choose. All right. So you have a you have a line that is directly excluded, and and you cannot go past that line and marry an unbeliever. But within the realm of marrying a believer, boy, we've got a lot of Christian liberty, don't we? We have a lot of Christian liberty. Now, how do you know who to pursue, who to marry? Well, I tell you, you better pray for wisdom. Because the Lord will direct you. Because there's someone who can be a believer, but boy, they may be toxic for you. Right. In your walk of discipleship, in a multitude of different ways. Okay? So what God does is he gives you a framework. Be not unequally open with unbelievers. And there's a lot of other principles. Who do you need to be pursuing? If you're a male, the virtuous woman, all these beautiful, meek and a quiet spirit, all these beautiful attributes. This is who you need to be pursuing. But even within that realm, you still have decisions to make. Amen. And God is going to guide you providentially in the best possible way. But you have to be discerning, okay, to be able to evaluate that by the word of God and by the counsel of godly people. We didn't get there tonight. But by the counsel of godly people and the word of God, you have to take the framework that God has given you, apply wisdom and then say, Lord, guide me according to your word. And that's difficult. That's difficult. Why? Because there are branching out paths at every step of the way. Okay? And God's always going to guide you in the best path. And praise God. He overrules us when we make mistakes. But it is difficult to discern God's will and walk in that. This is the way. Walk you in it. Well, since that voice is behind you, Sometimes you can confuse the Lord's voice with your own opinion in your own heart. Right. 
right? And that's why you have to discern it. Uh, again, First John chapter 4 and verse 1, we didn't get to that. Try the spirits, whether they have God. What do you try it by? Try it by the word of God. Keep your heart with all diligence, and the Lord will guide you according to his will. But we have to discern that through the lens of the word of God. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.